Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, May 30th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. I hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. We're talking Chiefs today with beat writer Jesse Newell, and we start by addressing the DeAndre Hopkins rumors. Hopkins, a wide receiver who's been named All-Pro three times in his 10-year career, was released late last week by the Arizona Cardinals. Do the Chiefs want him? Can they afford him? Jesse breaks it down. We also discuss a topic that Jesse brought up in last week's media availability with Andy Reid, and that's why the Chiefs don't plan to have a fullback on the roster this season. After a break, you'll hear from new Chiefs left tackle Donovan Smith. He met with reporters last week for the first time in Kansas City. Okay, let's get started. Well, Jesse, we're kind of on DeAndre Hopkins' watch now, aren't we? Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday morning. And I'm always refreshing Twitter and and, and other uh, searches to see what might be happening with uh, with Hopkins. What do you think will happen with and and are the Chiefs going to be involved here? Yeah, this is always famous last words, right, Blair? <laughs> this thing's going to get posted Wednesday, and we'll all know exactly what happened. And you can talk about how much of an idiot Jesse was for saying all these things. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I think he's going to sign somewhere else, uh, to be completely honest with you, Blair. You know, the Chiefs obviously did have interest in him earlier this offseason, and we heard the reports about that out there. It's just at this point, you know, things sort of fall in line in an order for a reason, which is at this point in the offseason, you sort of address what you thought you needed to address. So if the Chiefs were able to come to some sort of terms or trade for DeAndre Hopkins before the draft, say, um, then they wouldn't have to take Rasheed Rice in the second round and trade up to go get him and get the guy they really liked and also one that Patrick Mahomes has talked up and a guy that he really liked working out with. So you add that to the money that would be involved. You add that to the cap situation the Chiefs have. You add that to the fact that year after year, they've pretty been pretty consistent when it comes to a cash perspective when it comes to the budget and not just blowing through that or not having the ability to blow through that. And this would require quite a few of those puzzle pieces moving. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen for the Chiefs. And I think, really, frankly, for the Chiefs, that's okay. Uh, if you think that Sky Moore can take the next step, if you think Kadarius Tony has more in him, and if you think Rasheed Rice is going to be a good receiver for them. But, I mean, I get it. You know, like, you hear that name, and you think about all that he's accomplished, and you think about putting that in the Chiefs' offense and what Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes could do with that. I mean, I, I can understand why Chiefs fans would be excited, but... The Chiefs did just fine last year with a bunch of receivers that um, maybe you didn't expect to have the years that they did. And now that also would come at an opportunity cost, which means, hey, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, you might stunt their growth a little bit just because you would bring in a veteran to try to win right away. So I think they'll sign elsewhere. I, I think the Chiefs did their due diligence and kind of went earlier in the offseason to kind of find him. But 
to get him now would take a leap of faith that has just not happened very often with the Chiefs and what how they've operated, especially over the course of the last two off seasons. And so if it does, I, I won't be shocked, I guess, but I would be a little bit surprised just based off of how they normally go about uh, doing things and how this offseason has played out already. I hadn't thought about the idea of not stunting, but slowing the progress of others by, you know, accommodating Hopkins. And, you know, if he signs, he's automatically your number one receiver, which means he'll get number one receiver targets, right? Which, you know, could be over a hundred and that's a hundred targets that others won't be getting, wouldn't be getting. So what one thing I think about with him is with, when you think about the the Mahomes era with 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 uh, Tyreek Hill and then Juju Smith Schuster, there has been um, an alpha wide receiver, right? Somebody who has been uh, either a, a, you know a, an All Pro, Pro Bowl, uh, a top guy at another team. This team, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't have that right now. Um, uh, MVS was not that. Uh, Tony certainly not. Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson. Those are the five we look at um, have not been the, the top wide receiver for their particular team. That's going to ha- one of these guys uh, or I don't know, Richie James, Justin Ross. So one of these guys is going to have to be the guy that gets uh, more targets and receptions and maybe touchdown catches than they've ever gotten. Not that that can't happen. In fact, it will likely will happen. Maybe it's just a little bit of the concern of the unknown for me. Yeah, and this is the same thing you would talk about last year. Like, what are the Chiefs going to do at secondary? Well, uh, this Jalen Watson guy's never done it, and this Joshua Williams guy's never done it, and this Brian Cook guy's never done it. And lo and behold, in the Super Bowl, they all do it because, you know, you, you don't know what to expect from guys that haven't done it yet. But that's sort of the beauty of of uh, the Chiefs, how they've been able to develop players. And also, uh, you know, if you can get younger guys on the growth curve, that's why you see the Chiefs target so many young guys out there in free agency. It feel, you feel like there's more left for them to grow. And I mean, I will push it back a little bit. I don't, I don't see Juju as an alpha. I, I just don't. Um, and his production was good in the Super Bowl, but uh, Sam McDowell, you know, our columns, the star, has referenced this a lot of times. Down the stretch, he was hurt and in and out and. Um, it's not like he was just the number one guy the entire season where they had to rely on him and the offense only with him. That's sort of the beauty of the Chiefs offense, which is like McCall Hardman was really good when he was in and then he went out and they were still good. And then, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster was in and he was good. And when he was out, they were still good because what are we talking about here? We're talking about Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about Andy Reid and the Chiefs going through this offense, you know, um, they throw the ball behind the chains and let guys run to open space. They basically scheme up their open players. And so that's kind of more what the magic is to me rather than alpha dog, number one receiver. We can also question whether DeAndre Hopkins, how well he would fit in. Obviously the chiefs had interest in him. So they see him fitting in in a certain way, you know, if, if things fell right, but he has been a contested catch guy. And, and we just know from Patrick Mahomes history, that hasn't really been his MO is just to toss the ball up and hope the receiver comes down with it. His history is to throw it into open space and have guys that can read zone coverage and, and fall into that line and, and go get the ball and get whatever you can upfield after that. So, um, yeah, I think there's some questions with this, but I, I I think that right now the unknown, as you mentioned, but I, I can understand that's why fans would be excited about DeAndre Hopkins. That would give you – I mean, I think most people consider him still, what, a top 15, top 20 receiver in this league, even at the age he's at. Uh, so I can understand the, the excitement there, but I, I just don't – 
I don't think Patrick Mahomes needs it. I don't think Andy Reid needs it. And I think they've proven last year that was the big narrative was could could they win without Tyreek Hill? Could the offense be as successful as the year before? The answer was it was more successful. And so I, I think the Chiefs can do that again. Maybe if you're going to spend those limited resources, again, Chris Jones would be where I would so go because Patrick Mahomes can't help him. You know what I mean? He's kind of uh, on his own on the defensive line on the other end. So we'll see how it all plays out. And again, the Chiefs are that interest, but I, I just don't know that that's something that they have to have because as we saw a year ago, they didn't really have to have anything other than Mahomes and Reed, and they made things work out pretty well. Hopkins will be 31 in a, in a few days. So, um, yeah, on the, you know, on, on the other half of his career, basically, he's had uh, t- of his 10 seasons with seven in Houston and three in Arizona, really good numbers. Not a lot of playoff success. He, he's been on teams that won playoff games, but but that's just it. I mean, I think he's, his teams are two and four in in playoff game, maybe maybe two and five, something like that. Anyway, um, and and again, it, as you've alluded to a couple of times, the Chiefs would have to make something work financially because it's just the, the cap space isn't there. You know, Mahomes would have to you know restructure and and. Uh, um, and maybe even something else would have to happen to meet the Hopkins price tag. And you don't get the sense just reading between the lines and and uh, and reading some social media posts. He's not as motivated for the ring as he is the money. And um, and if that's the case, then I'm not sure that it's, it's the right fit for him in Kansas City. Well, and again, 32 teams right now are going to be like, oh, well, we've got room for DeAndre Hopkins. But you bring up a really good point, which is just because – Chiefs or Chiefs fans think that DeAndre Hopkins should go to Kansas City doesn't mean that the Browns can't decide that they want DeAndre Hopkins for $19 million or the Bears or the Jets or or the Lions. I mean, there's so many teams out there. Like, if you still have some room, some flexibility, and again, at this point in the offseason, not many teams do because this is the end of the offseason. You've already done the draft and free agency. You kind of, you know, get your way down the stretch so there's not much left to do because these guys don't usually get cut at this point in the year. But uh, yeah, there's nothing to say that it, it doesn't have doesn't have to be the Chiefs, it doesn't have to be the Bills. I mean, I know we've heard those two teams rumored a lot, but those two teams are kind of in the same place. And yeah, if you're DeAndre Hopkins and you're looking for a, a paycheck and to go out there and make money and, and make what you think you're worth, then there's a lot of other teams out there that could use a DeAndre Hopkins, whether he wants to go out there and win the Super Bowl or go out there and perform really well for a team that really needs him and wants him to be a number one receiver. So that kind of complicates things as well, Blair, when you look at this. It's not like the Chiefs are just sort of bidding against themselves here. They're they're bidding against other teams that will want his services. And I'm just not sure that at the top of the list when it comes to not only the, the fit for him, but also just the financial fit we talked about, not only the cap space, but having the cash on hand to be able to make this deal work because uh, to make a deal work at this point in the offseason with all they have to do, then it's going to be a cash and a cap thing. And I'm not sure the Chiefs are, are willing to go there we also have seen them just as a as an added thing on there they've really stuck to their guns when they've come to these contracts i mean you remember juju's market out there when he went to the patriots the chiefs had a number for juju and they liked him at that number and they offered him that number and the patriots went above it and juju's now a patriot so to think that the chiefs are just going to blow their whole budget and do all these crazy things to go get deonor hopkins and they've obviously had interest in him but they have not gotten him yet so um to think that they're just going to go crazy on a certain signing when that's not really the way they've been operating in the past again that would surprise me it would surprise me if it happened wouldn't shock me but uh, we'll see how it plays out like i said maybe uh this will go up wednesday morning and deonor hopkins will be a chief and jesse will be the biggest idiot in kansas city <laughs> um well if if uh if DeAndre Hopkins becomes a chief, that does not mean Jesse Newell is the biggest idiot in Kansas City. <laughs> I assure you that. So I was thinking about it also in terms of 
um, number of players per position on the offensive side. And like I said, I, I think we can agree on five for sure, right? Wide receivers in MVS, Tony, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson. And you got to think because it's the Chiefs, there'll, there'll be another wide receiver on, on the roster. But that idea is is even more uh, possible because there's one position on the offensive side uh, that will not be represented. That is the fullback. And you got to the bottom of that last week, Jesse, with your questions to Andy Reid. You mentioned uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is now a Patriot. Well, Michael Burton is now a Denver Bronco, uh, and there are no plans to replace him at fullback this season. So uh, I, I know you've only been covering the Chiefs for for a bit, and I've I've been I, I haven't covered all of Andy Reid's time in Kansas City, but 2023 looms as the first season that the Chiefs will not have a fullback on the roster. Fascinating, I think. I mean, you know, you, you say, look at the production and, uh, and, and the Chiefs can afford to, you know, to, to have this situation occur, but they have used the fullback in that fullback has gotten in the end zone. He's, he's been a, a short yardage player. He's been a trick, you know, trickeration type of player for the Chiefs. So it'll be different not to have a, a, a true fullback on the roster, but as you learned, through your inquiry last week, that doesn't mean that the fullback position won't be represented by somebody else on the roster. It just won't be somebody we identify as a fullback. Yeah. Uh, Andy Reid says it's going to be the tight ends and potentially Noah Gray is going to be the guy that steps in for that. Uh, and he did some of that at Duke, but uh, you know, honestly, I would have probably assumed that Blake Bell would be doing that more just because of kind of the role he's played for the Chiefs because he's done the quarterback sneaks. He's kind of more of a fullback type body and they re-signed him in the offseason. When they did, I I, I raised my eyebrow just a little bit because I thought, okay, well, the Chiefs obviously liked having their four tight ends last year with Kelsey, Gray, uh, Jody Fortson, and then uh, Blake Bell. But Blake Bell was hurt most of the year. And so they kind of had to do the the shuffle to get those guys in. So when he re-signed, I thought, yeah, this – might be something. And then Andy Reid talked on the Kelsey Brothers podcast, New Heights, a couple weeks ago about how kind of made an offhand comment about how the fullback is getting phased out of the NFL. And that kind of raised my eyebrow because, again, as you said, Blair, this has been something a staple. Every year when we do the 53-man roster projections, everybody always wants to throw the fullback off the roster. It just never happens because it's Andy Reid. He's going to have a fullback. So, yeah, this is a change for the Chiefs. This is something different. I I do wonder as well how much of this – if they knew coming down the line with the new kickoff rule, if this changes things, because what a fullback does a lot of the time is they are a special teams maestro. You know what I mean? They are a four phase guy who can help. And so much of that is kickoffs because kickoffs happen more than punts do and more than field goals do all those sorts of things. And now that any team can fair catch inside their 25 at the 25 yard line, it makes me wonder if there's going to be a de-emphasis on these special teams positions. And if so, if that kind of helped lead them to a position where they didn't think they needed a fullback. But I, just real quickly on this, you know, I wrote a story last year before last season on Michael Burton. He was so successful in the short yardage situations, those third and ones. They got the ball handed to him, got up the middle. They, su- they succeeded on every, basically every single one of them. Last year was different for the Chiefs. They really struggled on third and short. They're actually better on third and long. And they were on third and short when you looked across the league. And so uh, in the Super Bowl, they ran that same play that usually Michael Burton ran, only they ran it with Jarek McKinnon running the football. So I think maybe toward the end of the year, the Chiefs sort of 
learned that this guy they were keeping for a short yardage role, it was not serving them in the way that they wanted it to. And so, yeah, you can get that roster spot back. You potentially can add another player either on offense or defense with that 53-man uh, roster. And we know how tight those positions are when you come into the season to try to keep every available piece on your roster. So this will be a, defi- a definite change for the Chiefs. Uh, we, we Like Andy, we talked about Noah Gray mostly, but I, I would be surprised if Blake Bell doesn't take a big part of it too, just because to me, he is more prototypical, big dude, blocker, in line, that sort of thing. Um, so we'll see how the Chiefs handle this, but it was a surprise that uh, this thing is gone from Andy Reid, especially since it's been a staple for him for so long. Yeah, look, and Bell was, uh, and you probably saw, covered a game or two of him at Oklahoma when they played KU. He was the belldozer there. So, you know, he was a short yardage guy, quarterback. Um, I, I don't think it can be underestimated the uh, the importance of that position on kickoff coverage, as you mentioned. Uh, I, I can uh, that that to me, when you're watching a Chiefs kickoff and you notice that the ball is not going to reach the end zone, so a potential return here, the guy to always watch was the fullback. He was the sort of the kamikaze player on on coverage. Anthony Sherman made a living out of it. Uh, if you remember, I think I'm right about this. I have to go back and check, but I think it was Sherman that caused the fumble on the kickoff return against the Texans in the playoff game a few years ago that uh, that uh, uh, Thompson recovered and set up a short field touchdown as the Chiefs came back in the first half against the Texans. It's just, uh, you know, it, it almost like the fullback took a lot of pride in playing that role on kickoff coverage. And as you mentioned, that's not going to be a part of the NFL this year with a fair catch allowed with the ball, uh, you know, uh, not in the end zone. So um, I, I, as that conversation uh, or that exchange between you and Andy Reed was happening last week, I felt, I sound, I saw myself nodding my head saying, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, it's uh, you can, you can get away with not having a fullback. So what position group gets the extra player? Because one has freed up for the, for the offense. And last year, the Chiefs had they kept uh, on on the fifty three man roster. If you remove the three specialists, the kicker, the holder, the punter, uh, snap, I'm sorry, the, the the holder is the punter, but the the long snapper long and the kicker. Um, you've got fifty players, and last year the Chiefs kept twenty six on offense and twenty four on defense. Which position group gets the additional player? Uh, where do you see maybe the potential uh, position battles for for that extra player? Yeah, and speaking of Anthony Sherman, I go on 810 every week, and he goes in the hour before me. So uh, I showed up in the studio, and immediately was accosted like, how could, how dare you ask Andy Reid this? And, uh, it was a good conversation. He was talking to me about that. But it was funny because uh, Garrick Dieters, in, you know, the old Chiefs, a special teams play receiver, and he's like, he's like, Eric's gonna give me crap all week now that the that the fullback's gone from the Chiefs, you know. So, um, but yeah, it is, it is interesting because you talk about this. Um, football's a zero sum game here, so we can talk about, hey, now these special teams players, guys who hung in the league because they were good on special teams, they might be devalued now. I mean, you think about the Anthony Shermans, you think about Michael Burton, you think about Marcus Kemp, you know, those sorts of players that. Uh, they make roster spots because of their special teams on that, and that might not be as useful anymore with special teams. But it's not like the NFL now is limiting its players. It just means those positions are going to go to somebody else who doesn't have that specialty. Um, so for the Chiefs, you know, they kept four tight ends last year, but Blake Bell was on injured reserve, so they can immediately replace him once the 53 men went through. Otherwise, he would have been out for the season. 
So they had 26 offensive players and 24 defensive players on the the 50 you talked about, Blair. So I, Andy Reid said they would keep an extra tight end, um, and that would go to an extra tight end. So it seems evident they're going to keep four of those guys. Like I said, they kept four last year. I would imagine they don't want to be unbalanced. They don't want to have 26-24. They'd rather go 25-25. And if you look at their roster, too, taking a fullback away from the running backs means that potentially you can have a fewer, you know, one less running back. And if you have the four tight ends, uh, we'll see how it shakes out, basically. But a receiver would not be a shock just based off of we just talked about how they could add DeAndre Hopkins. But Patrick Mahomes talked last week about how he loves the receiver depth that they have. And if you want to keep a guy like a John Ross or a Justin Ross um, down the line, I mean, are one of those guys players going to emerge and, and basically show that they need to be on the roster? If so, you got to find a place for him. And the Chiefs did only keep five receivers on that first uh, 26 when they started off last season. So, um, I, you know, it could be one of a lot of positions, but if you take Andy Reid's word for it, they're going to keep four tight ends. They like the four tight ends they have, and that makes a pretty safe spot, I think, for Blake Bell, Jody Fortson, and Noah Gray behind Travis Kelsey. And the Chiefs are going to operate like that and probably for the foreseeable future if they continue to like these guys and the production they're getting. Okay. All right, so let me clean up something that I mentioned earlier. I said uh, it was – I thought it was Anthony Sherman who made the tackle that forced the fumble in the – uh, in the playoff game against Texans, how could I forget? It was Dirty Dan Sorensen who made the hit, and it was Dor- safe. Yeah. yeah, maybe got his future Ring of Honor moment there. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Dirty Dan. That all part of the sequence in which he snuffed out the fake of uh, the fake punt as well. So, um, sorry about that, Dan, and apologies to to Anthony as well. But look, uh, Anthony Sherman was a terrific special teams player. Absolutely a, a fearless uh, kickoff coverage guy. Um, so uh, glad we cleared that up. All right. So this is the time in the podcast where we take a break. Uh, and when we come back, you're not going to hear from Jesse. We're done with Jesse. Jesse's done with us. He is out. Well, who you are going to hear from, though, is Donovan Smith, the Chiefs' new left tackle. Jesse actually wrote about him after uh, after his media session last week, and we're going to post that um, uh, that story with the, the podcast when it appears on KansasCity.com. So we bid farewell to Jesse. We take a break. And when we come back, you will hear the media uh, Q&A with Donovan, new Chiefs left tackle Donovan Smith. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's hear from new Chiefs left tackle, Donovan Smith. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> no. Well, it's hot out there. What's, what's the experience been like? You know, your first first. Can I get your name first? Oh, PJ Green. PJ, nice to meet you. Yes, sir. Uh, how was your first first few weeks with the team? How's your experience been here? Oh, man, it's been great. Um, obviously, you see why they're a championship team, uh, the way that they prepare. 
uh, from top to bottom, coaches and players. Um, you know, it's good to see the locker room is good. You obviously see the the uh, camaraderie that they have, you know, hanging out with each other and whatnot. You know, I'm kind of just still feeling my way around, you know, figuring some things out and um, whatnot. But other than that, everything's been smooth. Was the expectation always for you to come here and, and be that left tackle? <laughs> I don't know what the expectation was. Honestly, it was my first time going through, quote, unquote, free agency uh, in my eight years. So um, it was a new process. You know, obviously, I just left everything in God's hands. Um, you know, obviously spoke with, you know, teams and whatnot, but this made the, the most sense uh, for me in my career and then just, you know, going to win a championship. So you, you played with Tom Brady and now you get to go with Patrick Mahomes. Any similarities here, maybe that way they operate or anything in the short time you have with Patrick? I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you just see the dedication and hard work that they put in. Um, you know, he, he's really into it and tuned to how he want things done. Uh, and that's the, you know, parallels that they have. So. And then just the championship mentality that they have and carry uh, on and off the field. Um, you know, those are some similarities that I've seen. But uh, right now, you know, we're just figuring it out. So, Don't an Ironman in, in Tampa playing so many games. And, and last year, I know there was a struggle to stay on the field. How frustrating was, was that final year in Tampa for you? Oh, it was a little frustrating. I mean, obviously, you know, I played with a lot more injuries than I probably should have. But, um, you know, it's just something that we do. You know, we go out there, we sacrifice our bodies to go out there for the greater good of the team. Um, unfortunately, we didn't, you know, finish the way that we wanted, but, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, new beginning, new journey. Um, I'm healthy, I'm fresh, and uh, I'm feeling real good. Yeah, fast forward now, you feel just completely... Absolutely. Yeah. Donovan, you uh, have played against the Chiefs a few times over the last few years. What are your thoughts from play about this operation, from playing against them? Uh, you know, they've always been a good defense, um, sound defense, um, you know, in the right spots, playing right off each other, uh, and that's what you look for. Um, you know, obviously, you got great guys over there. We had some new signings as well, you know, with Charles and everything, but, you know, anytime you get Chris, and Chris Jones, you know, arguably one of the best three techs out there, interior linemen, you know, to get it done. So, you know, you tie all those together with the linebackers and, you know, defensive backs, you know, everything is, is, is good. So, you know, to be able to go against them, but then now <laughs> we on the same squad, it's, it's good. Donovan, um, this is your first time being in the offensive line room. Just what's your first impressions, given that the Chiefs had one of the best old lines last year? Oh, it's real good. Um, you can see why. Uh, everybody's talking with each other, um, you know, making sure we're all on the same page, obviously. And, uh, you know, we just make sure we bring everybody up to speed. And, you know, that's something that you, you look for in the offensive line room, because, you know, five minds all on the same page is what, what matters. So. Everything else, you know, physicality, footwork and stuff, we take care of that in practice and whatnot with Coach Heck. But um, in terms of the guys, you know, they're great. No no bad news yet. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, Heck, is, uh, Coach Heck gets a lot of credit around here. He played the position, too. Does that mean a little bit coming from him when he when he gives you instruction that he played at a high level? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, anytime you get a guy who's, you know, been in our shoes, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a little bit easier uh, to be able to communicate and understand the certain things. At no point in time is anything going to be perfect. Um, it's just the way that we, you know, play our game and whatnot. But, you know, he understands that and get that. So, you know, as a player, you could appreciate that. And then just the, the, the verbiage that we have to be able to communicate, talk like a player, um, but still be able to, you know, give us the points and everything that we need as a coach. Uh, it just makes everything easy. So being with the same team for so long, I, I'd imagine you get used to that. Was there some nervousness in, in coming for your first day and learning a new team and new terms? I don't think I'd get nervous. <laughs> um, it was just more about uh, what I could bring to the table, how I could fit into the, you know, the team, plug me in, and um, 
you know, make this thing go. Obviously, you know, we all are God's full of pride and, you know, our hard work and talent and what we do and bring to the field. So, obviously, that's all I was worried about. I know who I am as a player. I know what I can accomplish. I've been accomplished a lot of things, and, you know, that's what we're going to continue to do. Got a great quarterback, receivers, running backs, good offense, good defense. You know, why not? So, Donovan, Coach Reed's former and current players talk about how much he's a player's coach. Uh, what, were you, what have your uh, talks been like with him? Oh, they've been pretty cool. Um, you know, he's an offensive line guy, so that's yeah. always a good thing. <laughs> um, anytime you got a coach, you know, fan favorite of the line, you know, you automatically kind of get a <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call it, a good pass. So, um, but no, you, you can see why he's a player's coach. Um, he communicates with a lot of guys. He coaches you hard, um, but he understands that you know, and not, nothing's perfect, and you know, we're gonna get the job done. But at the end of the day, we're working. So uh, to be able to have that. Leadership from him um, consistently through the years, you know, just speak volumes to the man that he is and the coach that he is. Player, Player, play. Players have talked about how hard his camps are. Have you heard anything or what are you forward to with that? Um, I have heard over the past three days <laughs> <laughs> about how hard camp is, but uh, you know, you look forward to it. It's what you do. Yeah. Um, I didn't been through two days, I didn't been through a lot of the old stuff, so I mean. How hard could it be? And then plus on top of it, 100 plus in Tampa, you know, the <laughs> humidity and all that stuff zap you out. So, you know, I look forward to it. It'll be fun. But uh, at the end of the day, we all going through it together. And uh, you know that at the end of the year, it's, 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 it's all going to pay off. So, um, yeah, you know, I look forward to it. Last three, we'll go PJ, Nate, and Donovan. I mean, you're 31, you got some accolades. I'm not 31, bro. <laughs> Um, but you know, you're 29, you got some accolades under your belt, you got the ring in Tampa. Have you adjusted some of the goals you had at the beginning of your career for now? Man, uh, realistically, I mean. I'm a selfless person, so I mean, pro ball, all of those things, yeah, it matters, but not really. Um, I'm more about the, obviously, championship thing and be able to get there and, and get that. That means a lot more. Um, and then just winning games and having fun, you know, that's what I think means the most, you know, to me. Um, outside of that, everything else will take care of itself. So as long as I'm a team player, as long as I'm out there doing the, the best that I can do for my team, um, everything else will take care of itself. I feel like I accomplished a lot of my goals from initially coming into the league. Um, so yeah, <laughs> just keep building on them. What were some of those goals to accomplish? No, just, you know, the, the length, obviously, how long you wanted to play in the league, obviously win a championship, um, obviously just make a name for yourself and, and who you are. So, you know, I have high, uh, I have a, a, a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Expectations for myself, you know what I'm saying? In terms of like, uh, how we get out there, how we practice, how we approach the game, the things that we do, and then uh, just the production. So, Nate. Um, Donovan, from your perspective, I don't know if it's through being on the field in practice or watching it on the film afterwards, but um, these three days, just has there been a pass that Patrick's thrown that you kind of say, oh, yeah, that's right, that's – that's nah, that guy. dog, right now, I'm just trying to get the playbook down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my right assignment. Outside <laughs> of that, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of get a glance at those things while you watch a film and whatnot, and you see why he's a, a great quarterback and, you know, his ability to escape and extend plays and do the things that he do, you know, is special. So, you know, it's definitely something, uh, a blessing to be able to see firsthand. 
and be a part of, but I don't think that I have seen any crazy <laughs> ones over the past three days. That's <laughs> one, Matt. Donovan, Matt Derrick, nice, nice, nice to meet, meet you. you. Uh, you mentioned you didn't know what to expect, you know, being a free agent right. and everything. What was the timeline like for you? I mean, did you, you know, was staying in Tampa an option? When did Kansas City really mm -hmm. come into it to play for you? Um, I think realistically my expectations was just, you know, take it one day at a time, still prepare, and then just wait and see what my options are, what, whatever the best fit was. Um, in terms of this, I think it was, what, after the draft or whatever, I think I got a call to, you know, come visit, that they wanted me to come visit, and I said, Shoot, I can come tomorrow if you want. Um, and then, you know, I hop on the plane, came visit, and, you know, it made sense. So, you know, we made that thing go in motion. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, thank you. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for producing the show and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell for providing his insights. Morning Sports Edition, the nation's top digital sports section, was 26 pages today full of Royals baseball, the NBA and NHL, the French Open, golf, auto racing, so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.